Awesome. So good. It's so good to have you here uh, with us online. My name is Shafem, for those of you that don't know me. And um, you know, the great thing about a fire is that on the other side of the fire, there's always new life. Always new life that comes from even the most devastating circumstances. Nothing that can speak to all of us. No matter what fires have gone on in your life, that God can work it all around for good. Well, we're here in a new building and we are very, very excited about it. We've got a bit of a crowd here. So let's give it up for the new building in this place. We're really excited to have you in our new building next Sunday. We are absolutely pumped. It's a phenomenal place and we believe that you're going to really enjoy it. We're going to see a move of God in this place, which we're so, so excited about. Well, as Jess said in the pre-show, we are at the end of our third week. We're at the end of the three-week part series of Dunamis at the moment. And so I'm going to be eating for the first time tonight after three weeks. I'm happy. I've got a list of things that I'm considering eating for the first time after the service for tonight. Um, I think it's going to be Maccas, to be honest with you. (laughs) Um, I've got a few amens from the crowd, so that's good. But, you know, Dunamis is the Greek word for power. And the key verse for this theme has been uh, when Jesus taught his disciples to do an impossible mission, He said, don't worry, I will send you the Holy Spirit. He said, when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, you receive everything that you need from heaven to accomplish the task. And so we've been praying and fasting for the last three weeks, believing in the power of the Holy Spirit to bring breakthrough into our life, into your life. And I can tell you, God has been moving in the last three weeks. It's been amazing. Um, But tonight what I want to have a talk about is, What about those moments when the power that is promised or seems to be available, actually seems to be a gap between that and the reality of what happens in our life? Sometimes in our life, we can feel powerless and we're going, where is the power in my life? I remember my first ever car that I owned was a Kingswood Ute and it had a V8 engine. It was so powerful. You'd you'd merely tap the pedal and this thing would just accelerate and take off. And it made a great noise as well. And so one day I remember um, pulling up to a street and I was about to turn off and I was waiting for the traffic to clear. And typically with this car, you didn't need much of a gap. And so I put my, my pedal to the metal, well, a few centimetres down, and expected the power to come, but the power completely cut. And I found myself rolling into the road right in front of this, uncom- on, this incoming or oncoming traffic. And I thought, my life's over. Um, and, you know, sometimes when we put our foot down, when we begin to take movement, steps of faith before God, we can also feel like we've lost the power that God has promised us in our life. Um, but, but what I believe is the issue can be the power of prayer in our life. So when we go back to the V8 Kingswood U example, the issue with my car was actually something called the carburetor. The carburetor is a bit of an old school technology, not so a bit obsolete these days with new cars, but the carburetor is basically responsible for, for supplying the proper fuel and air to ratio for a combustion engine. So the carburetor supplies the fuel for the, V8, for the power that is dormant in the V8 engine. It's only when the, the carburetor is working that the V8 engine can fully be utilised to its full extent. And so once the carburetor was fixed, then the car was beautiful. The power was back into the accelerator and I was able to do a few donuts. Don't tell anyone. Um, and it was, good, it was a good time. And so what, what I believe is that our prayer life is like the carburetor. See, sometimes we can limit the power of God in our life because our prayer life is limited. 
See, prayer is the carburetor that delivers the right mix of fuel to the V8 engine that's dormant inside of every single one of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, prayer released the power of God in the early church as well. And we've got a scripture from Acts chapter 4 where um, Peter and John went out to preach the gospel of Jesus, but people wanted them to shut up. The rulers and the authorities wanted them to be quiet. So they took Peter and John into court and they threatened them. And it said this, So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. I mean, it's quite a threat. But Peter and John replied, Do you think that God wants us to obey you rather than him? He said, they said, We cannot help but tell. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen or heard. So courageous. Then the council threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God. And as soon as they were freed, what did they do? Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God. And this was their prayer. They said, stretch out your, stretch out your hand with healing power and may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. We see that prayer was the carburetor that got the miraculous V8 engine of the power of the Holy Spirit in the early church at work then. And we believe the same power is accessible to us today through the carburetor of prayer. You know, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. This house of everlife made of people was birthed not only the great skill of so many people that were having this church and their availability, but it was birthed and it was birthed out of the power of prayer. And we've seen God move so powerfully. And so what I'm going to be talking about tonight is seven ways to boost your prayer power. Not three ways, seven ways to boost your prayer power in your life. Who wants to boost their prayer power? I think you do. We want to see power. We, we don't want to put our, fe- our, pedal, um, our what, pedal to the metal. Um, and not have power. We want to have power in our life and everything. But before I do that, I just want a, a brief introduction to prayer, a quick thought. And this is this. When the disciples saw Jesus pray, they saw stuff happen. And so one day they garnered enough courage and they said, Jesus, can you give us your prayer tips, please? So Jesus gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. And the, the central line or the central key thought in the Lord's Prayer comes down to one key phrase, and it's this. It's, the prayer is, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, in heaven, God's 100% complete will. His, his, his will is done in heaven. And our prayers is what comes up and pierces heaven and sees heaven released on earth through our prayer. You know, this word will actually in the Greek is thalema. And this word thalema isn't just a cold clinical word talking about the, the sovereignty of God where it's just going to happen regardless of whether you pray or not. It's so much more personal that, than that. This word thalema actually means God's desire. It means his preferred will, his preferred desire that can be accepted or rejected by man. So it talks about this more intimate relationship with us and God, where we have a genuine partnership with God, where we go to God, God, what is your will? What is your desire for this situation? And you know what? It's made very clear in the Bible. It's actually written for us right there in the Bible, what God's will, what his desire is for any situation that we can go on in life. You know, too many times we go, you know, God, let it be your will. If it be your will, let this person be healed. But you know what? 
The truth is, when we read the Scriptures, God's will is that people be healed. The truth is, we say, God, if it's your will, would my friends be saved? But God's will is so clearly described in the Word of God, where God is not willing, God does not desire that any should perish, but all should come to know Him. And so we can pray with confidence. You know, our prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but it's to access His willingness. That's from Pastor David's story. Prayer isn't to overcome God's reluctance, but to access His willingness. Like a V8 engine is only too ready to be driven. But what it needs is a carburetor, someone to come in and, and, and provide fuel to see the power of God release into any situation. And that's what it's about tonight. And so seven ways to boost your prayer power. The first tip is passionate prayer. Passionate prayer to bring our energy to when we pray. You know, passion is actually the opposite to indifference. See, indifference shows that we just, we, we just don't care. See, the first thing to go when we become indifferent is our prayer life because we kind of actually don't care enough to pray, to pray on behalf of people. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, it says, it says, the earnest prayer, the earnest prayer, the earnest prayer means heartfelt petition arising out of a deep place of personal need. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Do you want wonderful results in your life? It's to pray earnestly before God. It says Elijah was as human as we are. He's just like us with all the weaknesses and fears that we have. Don't worry, he ran. He was bold one moment and then he ran the next moment, just like all of us. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. But then when he prayed again, the sky sent down the rain and sent earth the rain, and it began to yield its crops. You know, our prayer can release the rain in people's lives. Our earnest prayer can see that happen. You know, Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, it talks about the earnestness of Jesus. It talks about the compassion of Jesus. It said, Jesus, when Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. You can see the progression. Jesus stepped into the lives of people in the crowd. He had compassion on them. And then he saw the miraculous power at work in his life. You know, this word compassion in this context, the Greek word is splanksna. Why don't you say splanksna? Your splanksna. Compassion talks about your splanksna. What's your splanksna? Well, your splanksna is literally your inward parts. It's the heart, the lungs, the liver, the kidneys. And you know when you really love someone or you see someone when you're younger or when you're married? I still do it with my wife every now and then. And you get this little flutter in your belly. Or maybe you really, really miss someone and you have that ache in your heart. Or maybe you just, I don't know, you're, you, you have a great memory that causes either a painful memory or a great memory. And there's something that goes on in your splanksna. Well, this is what compassion means. It comes from the Greek word splanksna because over time in the Hebrew culture, it gradually became to denote the seat of your affection, where you're moved in your inward parts. And you know, Jesus so loves you and I that his splanksna is moved. Jesus has feelings. Sometimes we have this idea that Jesus is his clinical, blessed, thouest, thyest. Um, but he's so personal. He's splanksna. He's moved with compassion for you and I. And the invitation of God is is this. He still cares now. God's splanks now. God's compassion still moves for people. 
and he wants to see the miraculous power of God released into people's lives. How, how does he do that? He releases the power of heaven through our prayer as he moves in our splanksner, as we develop a, a, a compassion and an earnestness in our prayer. We see the progression is we see the miraculous power of God at work to change people's lives and miracles can take place. You know, prayer is the first thing to go, like I said, when, thing, when we become indifferent. When we become familiar, maybe with our friends or our family or even our own lives. Oh, they're just always sick. Oh, yeah, their marriage is broken apart. There's, there's no hope for them. We can, can become indifferent and familiar and, and, and lose our compassion. But, you know, there's a very challenging quote from Leonard Ravenhill. Levin Ra- Leonard Ravenhill is one of my favorite people. He's a great, he died in the early 90s, but he's a man of prayer. And this is what he said. It's quite challenging. He said, I can give you one simple reason why we don't have revival. It's because we're content to live without it. If you're thinking of revival at your church without any inconvenience, forget it. Because revival costs a lot. And when we want to see revival break out in people's lives, when we want to see God revive the dead, when we want to see God move in a situation, it costs us something. First of all, it can cost us our choice to care. It can cost us something great. You know, the second part, that got, um, the second key tonight, and don't worry, all the others aren't going to be as long as this. The first one is passionate prayer. The next tip is persistent prayer. Everyone say persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. I don't know if you're like me um, these days. I don't have my phone in my pocket now. But when you pull your phone out and you're somewhere and, and, and you're pressing a link, I think it's about four and a half seconds. If the blue bar is there and it starts loading up, you're like, oh, this is never going to load. You're like, you just get so annoyed. You're like, refresh, refresh. We're so impatient and we just give up. It's not going to work for four and a half seconds. So often we're like that with our prayer life. We're like, God, we send out a prayer to God and we're like, oh, it didn't happen. God's not moving. That's it. I give up. But you know what? We, we are required to persist in prayer and not to give up. And 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And it gives this idea of like a military advancement. It's like a military um, advance and then it comes, it regroups and it doesn't give up. It goes again for the next attack. And then it regroups again. And then it goes into its next attack until victory is achieved. And this is the idea that God wants us to have in persistent prayer. And there's a parable of a widow who wanted justice for her situation. And so she went to a judge. And this judge was an unjust judge. I think he only wanted to take bribes in order for him to deliver justice to people. So this widow, she didn't have enough to bribe him. And she, she, went, she went away from this judge Um, without justice being brought about in her situation. But rather than going, she actually thought, no way, I'm not giving up. I'm going to wait for this thing to load. And you know what? She started to stalk him. She started to call the office. She sent in emails. She was, he walked out of the, when he rocked up to his office in the morning, she's there waiting in the car. And when he leaves at night, she's still there. It's like she's just on his case. And then this is what it says in Matthew, in Luke chapter 1 verse, um, chapter 18 verse 1. It says, the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God and I don't care about people. My splanksin is not working, obviously. I don't fear God and I don't care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to say that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. And then Jesus said, the Lord said, 
Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he, even this unjust judge, rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? No, he won't. I tell you, I will grant, he will grant justice to them quickly. And then the last line, it says, But when the Son of Man returns, how many people, how many will he find on the earth who have faith, who wait, who persists, and to the full story uploads. You know, this, this passage actually equates faith with persistence. Faith persists. And we give in too easily so often, but God wants us to take hold. He wants us to passionately pray, persistently pray, believing for a breakthrough. And, you know, there's a quote as well from Lennon Ravenhill. And it says, In an old town in Ireland, They'll show you with reverence a place where young men met night after night after night praying for revival. In Wales, there is a place in the hills where three or four young men, only 18 or 19 years old, met and prayed night after night. They wouldn't let God go. They would not take no for an answer. As far as humanly possible, they prayed a revival into birth. These guys persisted in prayer and they saw a revival break out among them. You know, for Jess and I, I remember a time when we actually prayed for a youth group in Albany when I was a youth pastor and five particular girls we were praying for. We actually prayed night after night after night, I think for an hour or so. And it's like God just got a hold of us and we just didn't want to give up. We just didn't want to let them go. And so after, after a week or two of this praying, these five girls went to a women's night and at that women's night, the power of God was unleashed. And these five found themselves at the altar, at the front. The power of God got a hold of them. Those five were baptized on the same day. And that was a catalyst for the closest thing I've seen to an outright revival that flowed into our youth summer camp. All because to the glory of God, and we believe it's in part to do with persistent prayer. I want to encourage you to pray passionately. Pray persistently. The next one is to pray specifically. You know, specific prayers get specific answers. James chapter 4, verse 28, it says, You have not because you ask not. Really simple. I don't know about you, but um, I, I kind of like to go places and, and you've you got to at least ask, right? Sometimes we're too afraid to ask, Where can I find this? Or surprisingly, um, it's surprising how many stores will actually give you 10% off if you actually ask. It's like, Oh, I don't want to ask. What would they say? Well, they might say no, but they might actually give it to you as well. Sometimes we just. We, we come to God in fear sometimes, thinking that God's sort of this far off. You know, like the parable we heard with the judge. Actually, the truth is, God is not like the unjust judge. He is a loving Father who wants us to come to Him. And He cares for us so much. God wants us to come to Him. He wants to answer our specific prayers. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, He's ask and it will be given to you. Whatever your it is, ask specifically for it and it will be given to you. And I remember when I wrecked my guitar that I had, and at that stage a couple of years ago, I was doing a bit more leading worship, and, and I used my guitar a lot. And so I began to specifically pray. God, I pray for a maiden guitar, acoustic electric with a cutaway with a case. And miraculously, it doesn't happen all the time, but that's, I've got a maiden guitar, acoustic electric with a cutaway with a case given to me. It was an absolute miracle. couldn't believe it. You know, at the beginning of last year, Jess and I were persistently praying together passionately for specifically for leaders to rise up in Everlife. And God did it. We were specifically praying for a creative team 
for a worship team where we can see the results of that kind of prayer. The fourth is to pray the Scriptures. The fourth tip to add power, to boost your prayer power, is to pray the Scriptures. You know, the Word of God has ultimate authority. And when we pray, when we take hold of the Scriptures and the promises of God, and we attach them to our prayer life, our prayer has authority of the eternal Word of God, where it's not just based on frivolous speech, but something so solid. You know, an example I like to use is it's like in, in a business, right? If you work for a boss and, and they have a business and you, they give you the credit card, you're like, oh, 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 woo! I'm just going to spend this credit card on whatever I want. Get some prezzies for the kids. Um, but the truth is, when you're given a credit card, you're only authorized to spend within the proposed budget. You're only authorized to spend within the, the, the predetermined budget for that credit card. If you, there's no resource for spending outside of that predetermined budget line. But when you get that credit card, you have full authority to spend it for everything that's in the line of that predetermined budget plan. And this is, this is the same when it comes to our prayer. When we ask God for things that are outside of His budget line, that are outside of the Word of God, then there's no resource for that. But you know what? When we align our prayers with God's revealed will in Scripture, there is a blank check. There is no limit on the credit card to the power of God that He wants to release when we actually pray through Scriptures. The Scriptures give us great authority. When we pray the will of God through Scriptures, it gives us confidence that we are praying the will of God. You know, when we, again, pray for our lost friends, we can quote Scripture and say, God, you are not willing that my friend should perish. Your will is that this person should come to repentance. Although there's a gap time and I don't want to be patient, I want to persist in prayer, but I'm anchoring my faith in the Word of God and I can be sure that this is God's will for me and them in this situation. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and it's assurance about what we do not see. Faith is the confidence, going, God, I'm confident in your Word. Heaven and earth will pass away before your word passes away. And I can be confident and stand on your word as I pray that you're faithful and your word will come true, even though I don't see it just yet. The next tip to add power to your prayer is to pray in agreement. To pray in agreement. Just, just find someone. Find anyone. Just on the street. Just put people off the street. Just come in and agree with me. You know, there's great power when you pray in agreement with someone. It's a bit like when someone comes and um, I think one of our kids will tell us something that's happened. And I'll be like, okay, all right, great. Let's, I, I believe you. But then when the next sibling comes and they're like, yeah, dad, it did happen. Then I'm like, oh, okay. I'm going to believe the first one. But then there's something extra that comes along when someone comes along and agrees with, with what's been stated. Don't worry, I still doubt the kids sometimes. <laughs> um, but, but this is true when it happens in our prayer life as well. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, he said, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. You know, Jess and I has found this so frequently in our prayer life when we've come up against impossible odds. You know, I'll be praying on my own about something and often things can shift. But there's a whole other dynamic that happens when Jess and I, when we come together, and we before God, we say, God, together, we pray passionately. We pray persistently, Lord. We pray according to the Word of God. We pray the Scriptures through. We pray in agreement. And I tell you what, we've seen God move 
so many things that have been unmovable. So I just want to encourage you to pull someone in. Pull someone into your life. We've seen, we've seen through prayer, agreed prayer, we've seen drug dealers set free, come to know Jesus. We've seen them, their lives transformed by the power of prayer. Our marriages restored as we come together to pray in agreement. The second last one, number six, is if you want to add power to your prayer, is to add fasting to your prayer as well. We've been fasting for the last three weeks. And sometimes when you fast, you don't see the results straight away. But looking back, you go, my goodness, God, you are so faithful. He is so faithful. We forget the things we pray sometimes. Sometimes He remembers. But Jesus said unto His disciples, one time they came to Him and they said, Jesus, it's amazing. We've been able to cast out the demon from this person, from that person. God, you're bringing freedom into so many people's lives. But this one is like immovable. And Jesus said, well, well, this kind, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. You know, I don't know what you're going through, but sometimes it's this kind only comes out when we turbocharge our prayer with fasting, whether it's a, a meal that you might miss at lunchtime and you, you get on your knees before God, you say, God, I come to you, Lord, earnestly before you. Let me tell you, fasting turbocharges your prayer life. And then finally, and this one's a little bit, different this one but i want to end with this one and it's this be the answer to your own prayer be the answer to your own prayer so often actually we are the we're the answer to our own prayers why because god puts his desires in our heart and we actually sometimes notice things going on in our world that god actually is calling us to be the answer for as we pray god changes us often before he changes the situation you know, the truth is, if you want to see a move of God, then God's saying, well, pray for a move of God, but you be the move of God. You are the move of God. We are the move of God. You know, there's an interesting um, little scripture. When Moses had delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, he'd taken them through, and they, and they get right to the Dead Sea or to the Red Sea, the Egyptian army is bearing down on them and they are guaranteed to be slaughtered. There's the, the Red Sea right in front of them. But then God gives Moses instructions. He says, go and part the Red Sea with your staff. And then there's a real, real ironic little phrase that God says to Moses. He says this, Exodus 14, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you still praying? He says, why are you still crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Tell the people to get going. Sometimes we can be so spiritual that we're still praying about something because it's spiritual, like glossing over the fact that God's calling us to actually take a bold step of faith. You know, you are the answer to your own prayer. There's a pastor that actually um, gave us this quote, and I just want to read this through just before we end the message tonight. And it's this about, this, about this scripture. It said, The Lord threw responsibility right back into the lap of Moses. He's like, why are you crying out to me? Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward, to get moving. Now is the time for faith in action, moving ahead in trust and reliance, moving in front on trust and reliance on the Lord, behaving as if they believed that the Lord heard and that he'd answered. Sometimes we just got to believe, God, you've heard me. I haven't had a lightning bolt, but God, I'm believing you've heard me and I'm starting to get moving because you're faithful. He said, anything, anything less exhibits disbelief and mistrust of the Lord. Move on, God says. Move on. Get going in the face of impossible odds. 
Get going in the face of danger. Get going. Move on despite your fears. This is what pleases God and gives opportunity for the watching world to see God at work. His response to your trust in Him causes the world to give Him praise and honor. And God is looking. He's saying, who, who's available? Who is available to see the power of heaven released on earth? You know, I believe here at Everlife that God is causing a revival here at Everlife, a move of God. We are the move of God. You are the move of God in this place. And I want to encourage you to have passionate prayer, to have persistent prayer, to have specific prayer, scripture-based prayer, prayer in agreement, add fasting to your prayer, and then finally be the answer to the prayers that you pray. You know, I believe that God's will is to release power in your life that you see your V8 engine come to life through the power of prayer. Let me just pray for you as the band comes up. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for every single person here that's watching and listening online, Lord God. Lord God, I thank you that you've called us to partner to see heaven break out on earth, God. You, you called us, Lord. You've given us this amazing carburetor, this tool to see the power of the Holy Spirit interrupt people's lives, Lord. See the impossible happen as we come to you in prayer, God. We worship you and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.